Welcome to episode four of Around the League with Nav and Tuan. It's Saturday afternoon. We're still in quarantine. We're locked up. They won't let us out. Shout out to Akon. Tuan, how you doing, man? Nav, I'm doing well, man. Uh, it has been a uh, fun week. We were able to send off an email to some of our friends and family, uh, introduce them to our podcast. Been getting good feedback, you know, uh, a lot of support. So excited to continue with this and um, keep digging away and keep working away at providing good, uh, good material to all our friends. Yeah, hopefully we get to the point where, you know, we got a sponsor that we're shouting out. We have a bunch of friends who own small businesses that we'd love to shout out as well. But I think for today, we just want to give a big thank you to everyone that's showing us support with this podcast, either by subscribing to the podcast, following us on Instagram, sending us encouraging text messages. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate you putting up with our uh, quality imperfections right now and all the kinks that we're currently trying to iron out. For example, prior to this podcast, Tuan and I were recording our second episode of the hypothetical playoff bracket and after recording, I realized that I wasn't recording into my podcast mic. I was actually recording into my Apple headphones. So uh, the quality is not going to be the same. But, you know, we're learning as we go. And nonetheless, we really appreciate the support. And we hope that we can put out some content that you guys enjoy listening to on a weekly basis. Yeah, quick shout out to uh, my good friend. He owns Highland Optico. So if you ever need um, any glasses, sunglasses, Great professional help uh, just on the uh, the corner of Highland. I don't know who that guy is, but it's <laughs> I heard it's on the corner of Highland and Westmount. Highland Optical. Look good, see better, pay less. <laughs> well, hey, man, it's a, it's a Saturday afternoon. Weather is trash. And before we start this episode, this episode is going to be on uh, the Jordan Last Dance episodes five and six. And these episodes keep getting better and better. I'm so excited to dig into this uh, to this show. But I wanted to do some quarantine rapid-fire questions because you and I get to talk um, you know, through this podcast. But other than that, we haven't really been able to catch up and talk about sort of how our lives are going in the quarantine. So you ready for some uh, rapid-fire questions? Yeah. Shoot your All shot, right. man. Let's do it. First question. Best movie you've watched in the quarantine? Definitely not gravity. I saw becoming the 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 or uh, the movie that follows Michelle Obama around while she's doing her book tour. That was all right. I was hoping to see a little bit more Brock in there. Um, I I don't recall a movie, but I, I'm gonna just echo the the fact that Innocence Foul, the the series on Netflix is really good. So catch that. You saw Chef, right? Sorry, I just yeah, you're right. I did see Chef. Which was really, really well done. John uh, John Favreau was excellent in that movie. Um, same with I think Scarlett Johansson was that in that right. So uh, great, great cast and yeah. Sorry, that was a really good movie. I did see that. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't even know that movie existed. I was previously watching the Chef show on Netflix, which is like an eight to ten part series uh, with John Favreau, where they're just interviewing different chefs, learning different things. So it makes sense why they made that series after the movie. But yeah, saw that movie as well. It was super good. I saw Space Jam too. And I want to say that movie was not as good as I remembered it to be. Maybe because I saw it several years ago and I was younger. And um, yeah, I just enjoyed it a lot more. But I did not enjoy Space Jam this time around. 
yeah, lot I of pessimism in, in, in this chat in this call so far but uh keep going sorry okay question number two weirdest piece of makeshift workout equipment that you've had to make uh i don't want to reinforce the stereotype but we have a lot of uh, rice bags around the house that weigh quite a bit so i've been using those to do bros and to do uh chest press and whatnot i've also used like you know those water cooler jugs uh with the little handle it's like the 18 point whatever one liter of water i've been using that uh to do rows too so i've been i've been trying to be uh innovative with it because i don't have a gym set at home unfortunately we were too too slow on getting any equipment so we i've been struggling just to find something um that's that's been working but I, i've been trying to use what what's around me so rice bags and uh huge water jugs on my end that's amazing <laughs> yeah we've been uh we've been using our coffee table and bench or sorry our coffee table as like you know a bench yeah. um i like that table a lot and i can already feel it getting wobbly so a little concerned about that but you got to get creative right now yeah i know i've been trying to use wrists like resistance bands too they i only have like two not the greatest but again just got to be res- be resourceful all right, question number three. A meal or restaurant you look forward to hitting up once we're out? Oh, man. So many good restaurants. Um, when I lived in Toronto, I could name a bunch. But I'm really looking forward to eating good Jamaican food. Um, Simone's in Toronto, in Greektown. I'm really I'm hoping to hit up Toronto and just visit some of those spots. Um, where else? Chubby's. Chubby's uh, near Portland, uh, on Portland Street, sorry. Um, really good spot too. So I, I just want to get some uh, rice and beans with some oxtail and two patties and like a, a macaroni slide or macaroni sli- uh, side uh, with it. Um, so craving that, that Jamaican uh, food. What about yourself, man? Yeah, for me, it's, it's the foods that are tough to make. You know, like I got sushi... And uh, I'm not just saying this because you're on the other line here. I got faux on the list um, <laughs> because I find that, you know, you can't make that stuff at home. And faux takeout is a nightmare. I don't know if you've ever uh, done takeout faux. It's a nightmare trying to put that together when you take it to your house. Man, it's the worst. Worst pho is the worst takeout food you can get. It's just not the same. It's just not as good. Like the, the meat dries up and they don't give you like... The hot broth that you need and you overcook it sometimes and it doesn't cook well it's yeah it's a nightmare yeah it's a disaster complete mess um yeah last question so in general what are you looking forward to doing most when this lifts i am looking forward to just playing ball again i just want to be able to run up and down the court slam on some of y'all and you know just trying to get back into shape into like an optimal fitness shape Work out at, you know, at the gym, play some ball, shoot the shit with the boys. The first thing that we do as a group, uh, as friends, wherever it is, together is going to be the most fun I'm going to ever have. You know, Dayon doesn't know this, but he's going to host a massive sleepover when, when we're out of isolation. We're going to watch, <laughs> we're going to watch the Jordan uh, documentary. We're going to have a big marathon. He doesn't know about it, but I'm really looking forward to it. No, he's definitely going to put on Paddington Bear number one and two and order three medium pizzas from Domino's. And we're, yeah, we're, we're going to have a great time once, we, uh, once we're all back together. Um, 
documentary has been amazing, but I feel like it'll be really fun to watch it with our with our guys once we're out of isolation. But For yeah, sure. let's go let's go into episodes five and six. Um, like I said earlier, I honestly think that this documentary is getting better and better um, the more I watch. And uh, episode five, it gave me chills the minute it started. You know, you have All Star Weekend in 1998, Lauren Hill playing in the background, and right away it gets into Kobe Bryant's first All-Star game. Take me through your initial thoughts. Oh, man, this one definitely hits home, I think, for, for most of us, especially with um, the recent passing of Kobe and kind of how, how Michael um, just portrays or just speaks highly of Kobe, even saying, like, man, he's going to turn this into, like, a one-on-one. And then someone's like, who? He's like, the Laker kid, you know? Kobe. And then... He's basically saying he's going to go at everyone. Uh, he's going to miss four shots, but he's still going to take the next one. Um, and I think even at a very young age, I think Kobe was 17 or 18 at that time, um, some of his peers, especially those All-Stars, could see that this kid was going to be special. And that was really cool that, man, I, I really liked that part. I think that was my favorite uh, scene in the whole episodes five and six, just them um, speaking about Kobe and... Um, the light that they uh, that, that they put him in. My thought was, like, what are the chances that they took that footage at the time of Jordan talking about Kobe like that? And, you know, later on you learn that Jordan was sort of an older brother to Kobe. But you can really sense his admiration in those clips. And exactly like you said, when he talks about, you know, the Laker kid. And regardless of how many shots he missed, he's still going to take the fourth shot. And I love when he goes... You know, you miss four shots on my team, you better fucking rebound. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, the fact that they had that footage was was incredible. Especially, you know, unfortunately Kobe passed, but it was really cool to see how uh, how he admired him at such a young age. And you, you see that with, oh man, it's, you see it there and then you see it throughout Kobe's career. Just the, his demeanor, the way um, he approaches the game. It's, it, it's a mirror image of MJ. And he even says um, he gets pissed off and frustrated um, when people ask him, who's going to win one-on-one, you or MJ? And Kobe's like, man, there's, I'm, not, I'm not myself if, if, not, if not for MJ. So I hate when people ask that question. And you, you see it in the way he approaches the game. Kind of that Mamba mentality is just taken from how MJ approaches the game and approaches um, uh, the obstacles that are in front of him. So um, it was cool to see. It was really cool to see that, and um, I, I did hear that they are doing, um, they may be doing a, I don't know, a Kobe or a Laker um, documentary because they they had a film film crew uh, during his last year, his retirement year. So um, maybe that's something that we uh, look forward to in the future. Yeah, man, All Star footage was dope. I mean, you got Jordan in '98. That's peak Jordan, and yeah. you know, Bill 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 Simmons puts it. Uh, really well when he says you can sort of sense the respect that other players have for him in the locker room footage. Uh, there's some good players in that locker room, but you can see that sort of he owns the floor and everyone's sort of like looking at him as if, you know, because um, he's the head honcho. Yeah, that that was his final final All-Star game, I believe. Um, no, sorry, it was his second one. I know he came back when he was with the Wizards and then yeah, it doesn't remember count. the... Remember that that remember when VC 
reluctantly gave up his spot and that was a big thing back then but let's say his like his unofficial last all-star game um again he wins mvp and the admiration for him because again he's he's won six championships in eight years and he just has the league um uh yeah by by the throat really and he just he he's he's bigger than the game itself he's become such an icon and such a uh a worldwide figure on the same on maybe on the same same level as like Muhammad Ali. Yeah, that's a good comparison. I mean, I'm just so glad they captured all that All-Star game footage. That was wild. Um let's go to the next topic of discussion. Let's talk about the 1992 Dream Team, but specifically, let's talk about Isaiah Thomas getting snubbed from that team. What are your thoughts? Uh yeah, it's uh it sucks for him cuz obviously he um was a player that should have been on the team based on his play. I believe he was an 11-time All-Star at that point. Had won two championships. Um, led his team um, uh, throughout those bad boy years with uh, with Detroit. And just had a bad relationship with a lot of players on that team. And unfortunately, if he if he plays, then some of the some of those guys. Um, didn't want to play so it was more of hey we want MJ uh, playing on this team rather than Zeke and unfortunately that's how how it uh it turned out and I know he he regrets not shaking their hands and um all that stuff but uh it sucks for him but again that's that's how it goes down and there's just another chapter another story within all of that dream team um uh, stuff that went down. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of payback for being a dick. And <laughs> not it's not just the handshake, you know. If you go back and they show a lot of footage where he was just pissing off a lot of opponents. And unfortunately, it was the persona that he had to develop with that Pistons team in order to be successful. He's legit one of the best PGs ever. And it's well documented that he purposefully took less shots and got his teammates involved in order to uh, in order for that team to be successful and they won two championships but unfortunately at the same time he had to develop that uh, that bad boy personality in order for them to be successful and I think another takeaway too is the NBA was in a situation where it was their first time on the Olympic stage with NBA players Mm -hmm. Um, so chemistry is going to be such an important thing and they're sort of showing off their brand to the we- to the rest of the world, right? So, um, like, could you imagine having Isaiah Thomas in that practice footage? I don't think that practice goes the same way. And so much of that 1992 um, footage off court is all the players fraternizing, you know, having fun, uh, getting to know each other, and putting their competitiveness aside. I don't think that 92 team has as much fun uh, with Isaiah Thomas being there. For sure, and MJ even uh, mentions it when he's doing the interview, saying, "Yeah, it would have been totally a different, uh, totally different looking uh, locker room and bus ride had Isaiah been there, because they built that camaraderie between those guys, knowing that they were they were the best, uh, the best players in the world. And again, that was the first year that they moved away from amateur sports or amateur amateur athletes, and were able to bring in NBA." Um, players into into the mix with Olympics so yeah it would have been a totally different um team and you, you never know even though they have all that 
um, talent and ability, having kind of that one guy that doesn't fit and may may want all the attention or may want more playing time. It could have could have gone bad for that dream team, and they may not have been uh, called the so or the quote unquote dream team had had Isaiah been on that uh, squad. Yeah, not enough, uh, not enough Stockton footage in that in the Dream Team stuff. Because if you watch the '92 Dream Team uh, 30 for 30, there's a lot more Stockton and his experience throughout that Olympics was hilarious. Um, I wish they would have shown. There's this one scene in the 30 for 30 where he's literally walking through the streets of Barcelona and no one knows who he is. He's walking around with a camcorder and asking them who their favorite player on the on the Dream Team is, and everyone's like Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. And uh, yeah, no one even recognizes that it's John Stockton. Yeah, I recall that. I recall that uh, that footage. That was really cool because um, they reproached USA um, fans on the streets, and they were looking at his like t- on the the T-shirt with all the players. And his son was like, "Hey, Daddy, that's you." And then they finally realized that um, he was a part of the dream team. So that was that was a funny. Uh, funny little scene there. So funny. Since we're on the topic of the 92 Dream Team, uh, let's bundle two topics here. Let's talk about Tony Kukoc and Jerry Krause. Take me through your thoughts. Ooh, this one sucks to just to look back on because um, obviously Krause brought or was um, infatuated with Tony Kukoc, um, a player that, again, never stepped onto the, onto the NBA floor, onto the court. And he was being praised as the next, um, next great thing. And unfortunately for him, he had to uh, he had to match up with the dream team and Jordan and Pippen who who were on that team. So he had a target on his back, and he was basically bullied by this team. Like he was just like out there to to, to get um, attacked because of his relationship with Kraus. And I feel bad for him, even though I know that he played really poorly in the first game. And then they met in the in the finals, I believe, and he played a little better. Still got got blown up by like thirty points or whatever. Um, but that must have been really shitty for for Ku coach to kind of be in the middle of that. Like they didn't have anything against him. It was just that he he had a relationship with a, a front office guy that they did not like at all, and he was kind of the scapegoat and the um, the dummy in in all of it. It made me cringe. Because um, they show footage of Kukoc at his house, like a young Kukoc, and he's walking down sort of an alleyway. He's wearing a Jordan jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know the admiration for Jordan was there. Yeah. And on the flip side, you know, these guys are just being completely propelled by Jerry Krause's comments to annihilate him. And it's... <laughs> I've, the best part is Kukoc after, you know, they show like, you know, how badly they clamped down, uh, clamped down on him on defense and how poorly he performed. And then there's just a clip of Kukoc saying in his, you know, Eastern European accent, I don't know why they do that. I don't know the guys. <laughs> yeah, very unfair to him. Very unfair. Um, and it was good to see Wilbon in that episode. Um, I love what he says about that team. And, you know, a lot of people give... Eastern or European players, the the soft label, but they don't realize at that time what those Croatian athletes were going through in terms of that Yugoslavian war and how hardened they were and how tough they were because of those experiences. Like the USA, I mean, they they made it to the finals, and it wasn't it wasn't a cakewalk for USA in the finals. 
Great point. Great point. I know um, definitely with with the um, the war uh, within Yugoslavia and everything that they went through must have been so hard on him just to focus on playing basketball and then also making sure that his family was doing well and that that, uh, you know, that that's people were doing well. And um, he's obviously a a figure within within that country and within that within basketball for that sport. So uh, obviously unfortunate, but again, th- these guys are not soft. They're going through much more than anyone on the U.S. team um, is experiencing. So it's more of just what the media is throwing out there, and I'm glad that Wilbon uh, brought that up because that's that's such a um, big factor in the way that these guys developed as players too. And. Again, like you, you look at uh, you look at Jerry Krause's antics throughout this episode, and um, it was pissing me off. But at the same time, it's kind of alluding to the genius behind him too, because a thought that came up was: Is he purposefully boosting these players to get motivation out of MJ? Because, like we've said before, he internalizes everything that Krause says. Um, in order for him to play better. And case in point, again, they're playing the Phoenix Suns later on in the episode, and Krause is going on about that one player that's, you know, a a lockdown defender, and he's going to give Jordan nightmares. He's talking about how much he admires this one player because of his defense. You know, Jordan ends up annihilating him, but my my thought is maybe he's purposely saying these things to the public because he knows that it's going to motivate Jordan to play better. Just a thought. Yeah, I wish that Kraus did more interviews so we can have a a better understanding of his like personality and in the and the way he was thinking, um, because you can't really find too much uh, like videos on YouTube or articles out there that portray him in in that light of being a genius. And I agree with you; he's he is really just very smart in the way he's um, approaching um, the players and. Um, how he's confronting them, how he's bringing Ku coach as the next big thing, and then he brings him over um, to the to the second dynasty, and he's a big part of part of their th- uh, second uh, three peat. And obviously, they they build that relationship between Ku coach Pippen and Jordan later later after the Olympics. Um, so again, yeah, Kraus is Kraus is a G, and I said that before, and I think he he does a really good job of understanding all the moves that he's making and the impact they that they have uh, later down the road. Definitely. And if we're going to talk about episode five and six, we can't not talk about uh, the gambling. And that was such a big fiasco throughout both episodes. Take me through your thoughts and reactions. Yeah, I alluded to that before I even watched episode five and six. Um, saying, Remember I was saying how there's like a conspiracy, how he may have had to retire because he was banned for two years. Again, I'm not sure how true that is, but... They do, um, they use that to kind of break him down because from what I recall and from what I read and watch, MJ was like the perfect star athlete to that point until um, Sam, is it Sam Smith? Um, he, he writes that the Jordan Rules book uh, back, back in the 90s where it reveals kind of the other side of Michael and then people are building are building Michael up to to this you know godlike status um, because you know they just see the good in him. They see the young man that kind of develops into the best player. But then they start being revealed, or it's, it starts being revealed that you know there's another side to Michael. He has this um, 
aggressive gambling issue. Um, he's bullying his teammates, uh, you know, just making life miserable for some of them. And uh, even gambling in Atlantic City with his dad. So slowly and surely the media builds him up to, to be this one thing. And then once they find out that he's not a perfect person, they, they tear him down and they try to do everything to, to make it look like this guy, you know, is, is the worst thing. Yeah, the, Atlant- the Atlantic City stuff was so stupid in my opinion. Um, hey guys, uh, I'm feeling a little restless right now. So is it cool if I go gamble with my dad for a few hours? I won't break any team policies. And I tell you what, we'll win the series. <laughs> like what what's what's wrong with uh what's wrong with blowing off some steam like no one knows what it's like to be a high profile athlete constantly in the media stuck in his hotel room so if you have an opinion you know really put yourself in his shoes before you you before you express it that that one scene where he's laying on um on the bed or on the couch or whatever by himself and he's like yeah man this is my life i i can't do anything but lay here by myself because out that door is going to be a circus. And basically he's just trapped because he's so famous and so high profiled and can't do anything like a regular person. And it got to that point, right? Exactly. And I think, I think the bigger issue is that the media does this with everyone. And I don't want to go too deep into it, but it's not just athletes. It's musicians. It's actors where they'll build someone up so much and it forces people to create an unrealistic image of that person um, the minute they do anything offside, it's incongruent with your expectations and therefore a letdown. Um, I can honestly say that I do my best to keep someone's performance life and personal life completely separate. And I love, uh, I love what Ryan Rosillo says in the Bill Simmons podcast about this. Where he essentially says, if you bought a Buick because of Tiger Woods and you're pissed off that you bought it because you found out he cheated on his wife, I mean, that's on you, not on, <laughs> not on the athlete. That is hilarious. That is a that's a great way to put it. Uh, and I do I want to give a shout out to uh, Bill Bill Simmons and Ryan Russell. They do a really good job of, of putting together a really good podcast. Yeah, they articulated that one so well. But yeah, I mean, and he's he's doing nothing illegal. He's not he's not uh, disobeying any team policies. It's clear he does have a gambling problem. But I honestly think that. There's a competitive angle to that, that he sort of, he just loves that, uh, that sense of competition that he gets when he gambles and he's got the money to do it, you know? So I can't, I can't think of a reason to be upset at him. Um, all I can do is appreciate everything he's done on the basketball court. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And it's the, even the little segment where um, he's in his like locker room office with those security guards. The Sniff Brothers. <laughs> yeah. And they're playing that little coin game where they're throwing against the wall. I don't know what it's called. but Lo- It's that, a Looney Toss, I think. Is it Looney Toss? Well, that's what that, we call it here. That was a funny, that was a funny-ass clip. And then and then that one security guard, he does like the, 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 he replicates the MJ like shrug where he hits all those threes against Portland after he wins the $20. That's, that, that was a hilarious uh, scene to me. Man, the fact that he hangs out with the Sniff Brothers before games instead of you know doing what a lot of players do right now like reading meditating you know doing their little pre-game routines i'm sure he's got a little bit of that but the fact that he's gambling with security guards and trash talking before games just alludes to how great that guy is 
Yeah, and he's just sitting in his like yeah in his so-called office and handing out all these tickets to his teammates. So there's like already like a big gap in between there. This guy's just sitting in his little own space with people around him and teammates are coming in and out asking for tickets for family members because I guess tickets weren't as uh, readily available uh, to players uh, during that time. So that was that was a funny scene to see too. That was hilarious. Um, but yeah, you know, it's kind of sad at the same time that he's got to isolate himself so much in order for him to get away from the media and fans. And like case in point too, that one scene where Scottie Pippen is – um, you know, being forced to speak to the media and Jordan's actually grabbing him by the shirt and he's like, dude, let's get into the, let's get into the bus. I'm trying to make a tea time. <laughs> it's probably super serious for Jordan to make that tea time because it's his one opportunity to get away, play yeah. golf and sort of get away from all the BS, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, as a, as an avid golfer, how, how important it is to, to get on time, you know, to mentally prepare to tee off. And man, I'm, I can't wait to finally go. E- even though I'm not a big golfer, I want to go golfing with you and be able to just shoot the shit, have a few drinks, and just enjoy enjoy the outdoors while the while uh, while we can or when we eventually can. Yeah, man, it's one of the things that I'm looking forward to. I think that the start of golf will actually happen sooner than later because I feel like there's ways around. Um, you can you know you can social distance and still play at the same time. Um, so I'm pretty optimistic about that. It seems like Doug Ford is starting to, um, he's telling golf courses to get their courses ready because the uh, the beginning is near in sight. Yeah, no, with, with golf, it's basically a social distancing um, sport. Um, if, they, if they can somehow find like a good way of um, cleaning up the pro shop and uh, the clubhouse and just pr- uh, minimizing... Uh, contact with other people there really you're just you're on the golf course uh, the majority of the time and you're already you know that far away from other people so that's probably one of the sports that will come back much quicker than uh, than the other ones fingers crossed but I don't want to get my hopes up mm-hmm. anything else from uh, the episodes that you wanted to point out or highlight so obviously working for one of the bigger sporting brands um, in the world the episodes five and six touched on the point where MJ was very, very interested in joining with Adidas um, when he was when he was starting out his career. And unfortunately, um, management there weren't able to get him a deal. So then he went to the much less prominent and less successful um, Nike in uh, Beaverton, Beaverton, Oregon. And I guess that's really all she wrote. Um, that propelled Nike into another another level um, that they weren't able to really achieve with Adidas being the, the primary player in, in that field for so long. And he really, he is, he is he's revolutionized um, not only sporting goods, um, sh- shoes with Jordan Brand, and just been able to combine sports with pop culture and hip hop culture and and the streets itself. Um, it's really unfortunate for for my end to look at back at that and be like, man, that was such a big opportunity lost. And even when um, the the dream team won 
won gold and they were celebrating um, the championship. He had uh, the U.S. team was provided apparel by Reebok, which is also again owned by wasn't owned by Nike then, but um, they were another competitor. And he actually put the uh, the flag over that um, that side of his shirt where it didn't show the the Reebok logo. And again, it's just um, funny ways how how things work and kind of how competitive those sports brands are and kind of how loyal. Jordan was to Nike um, right from the bat. Two two thoughts that, that come into mind. It was really forward thinking of Nike to think, you know, we want to market. Or it was actually Jordan's agent, but he was trying to he was trying to um, trying to persuade these athletic companies to promote Jordan like a tennis player or like a golfer. You know, it was the first time that you were taking a player from a team sport and marketing them like a, like an individual athlete. And it was super successful on, on Nike's part as soon as they launched that campaign. And then the other thing too is I feel like Jordan started that brand loyalty that you see in the league uh, th- to this day. Like, you know, you get an athlete that goes onto the podium and there's a Gatorade. They'll hide that Gatorade. They'll put it away or they'll replace it with a Red Bull. And, you know, Jordan was doing nothing different that athletes do in this era but he took a lot of grief for, you know, being petty when he covered up that logo in the Olympics. But at the end of the day, he was doing something that was he was making a business decision and you can't hate him for that. No, definitely not. Definitely not at all. Was there anything else on your end that you want to discuss? One thing I actually sorry before I, I let you speak. Um, the the Suns were so close to actually winning a championship. When you look back at the film and. You know, Charles Barkley being the the MVP that year. And they had um, gone gone to game six with the Bulls. And they were up two possessions with 40 seconds left in game six. And then you, uh, that John Paxson shot that basically wins it for the Bulls. Uh, so, man, Charles Barkley was really, really close to forcing in game seven uh, in Phoenix. Um, and again... If John Paxson doesn't make that shot and then Sun somehow win in game seven, what, you know, what legacy and what um, perception does does players and the media have about Charles Barkley, even though he is a, a former MVP, if he has that um, championship um, on his resume, his uh, his legacy may, goes up, may go up uh, a stage or two, right? Charles Barkley was really, really, really good. I need to I need to go on YouTube and look at some Charles Barkley vintage footage because that guy was a monster. And you can't you can't forget about the scene where he, he was basically telling uh, Chicago fans to uh, I forget what he was saying, but essentially they had planned their parade, and he was like, "No, no parade happening here. We're going back to Phoenix." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, back then it was a two-three-two. Uh, format so they would play two what um sorry i forget h- how it was but yeah he he basically said yeah don't don't uh, plan that parade because it's not happening and he, he came through that one game and on the flip side you had jordan telling his team only bring one suit because we're taking care of this game uh in true. game six and we're not going we're not doing another true 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 yeah no that's those are that's the way you gotta 
playing it though, man. That mentality of you, you're win- you're winning the next game, and it's there's there's nothing to it. You're yeah, we're gonna win, and we're gonna uh, take away from this other team. Yeah, I mean, this documentary it's it's surprising me more and more the more I watch, and it's it's honestly one of the best things that we have uh, to look forward to while we're in isolation. So. I mean that's all that's all I have on the two episodes. I'm loving it. Yep, no. This is the best thing that is happening for any sports fan that has any sort of interest in basketball at all. And and we got two more Mondays um until it's over. So I'm hoping slowly other sports are going to come back uh and that uh this will be um filling in the gap till till then, but I'm really enjoying this and um even casual casual fans of, of of basketball and sports and even non-casual fans are really enjoying this so uh, i'm happy that it's on excited to see and discuss um episode seven eight nine ten and and yeah man i'm uh looking forward to it well again big big thank you to everyone that subscribed to our podcast big thank you to all the support that we've been receiving right off the bat Um, If you know anyone that would enjoy the podcast, please let them know about it. And we look forward to uh, making some more episodes for you all. Yeah. Again, appreciate everyone who's been sharing our email and our posts and all that stuff, um, being engaged and just providing us feedback. Um, If you you think we can improve on anything, uh, please let us know. We want to be able to provide the best um, sound content. And just a way for you to enjoy everything while we are, um, while we're all in quarantine. Tuan, enjoy your Saturday afternoon, man. Enjoy your yeah, weekend, you too, bro. and we'll you talk too. soon. Yeah, enjoy the snowman. Go, go, build a snowman out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. We'll talk soon. All right, bro. Take care. Okay, take care. Peace.